Our theme, as I mentioned earlier, this year at Northside is the light of life. And so what we wanted to do was sort of mid-year, uh, take some time and go back and revisit the why of what we're doing and the what of what we're doing so that we can think about our purpose. Now, our theme verse has been John chapter 8, verse 12, where Jesus said, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so we've been talking about letting... Understanding, acknowledging he is the light, he's the source of the light, and the opportunity that we have to let his light shine in us. And how we've challenged the congregation, if you will, is for each Northsider to, to donate $20 and give 17 hours toward one of these ministries that we're working with. We partnered with four different ministries. And over the next three weeks, we're going to highlight them. We were going to start that last week, but due to my uh, little incident with tennis balls, uh, we are going to have to scrunch two into one here today. So I appreciate your patience on that. Um, if, you're, if you've been jumping right in, a lot of you have been uh, posting on the, the Facebook groups and such uh, with the Northside Lights projects and different things that have been going on. If you've been doing that, thank you so much. Kudos. Keep it up. It's really been uh, quite Wonderful to see all the ways in which Northsiders on, on out in front and also from behind have been letting the light of Christ show in them and through them. But if you are sitting here and it's July and, you know, if you're quite honest, you haven't done anything with that. You thought, well, you know, somebody else will. Now I got good news. There's still a half a year left uh, to be involved in one of these different ministries. So that's where we're going to highlight them and talk about them. Today we're highlighting two ministries, Simple House and the soup kitchen. And let's talk first about the Simple House. A Simple House is a ministry providing food and clothes to the homeless and to those in need here in Wichita. It's a ministry of the Riverwalk Church of Christ. It's located downtown at First and Waco. And basically they do exactly what they say they're going to do. Provide food and clothing to people who are in need, people who are homeless, uh, people who just sort of in the roller coaster of life been at the bottom, maybe going through a pretty long, dark tunnel. And they give them some hope. And if you if they come there and needing something that Simple House can't provide, they have a lot of connections within the community to help them get connected with other uh, sources of help. Uh, Our coordinator for this is Gloria Emery. And Gloria, if you'll stand just so you all know who Gloria is, if you have questions about would like to be involved with Simple House, uh, donating, volunteering, got more questions, go ahead and talk to Gloria. She's the person to see and she can tell you more about that. Thank you, Gloria. Uh, There are several ways uh, to be involved in the Simple House ministry, and lots of those you've been doing already because I'm going to show some pictures. First is a very simple little bucket out in the foyer uh, where you can put a small amount of change and make a big difference in the lives of some people who really need it. The Simple House is able to purchase food, commodities um, very cheaply, so they can take a dollar and stretch it much, much further than you or I. Uh, So don't think that a little bit doesn't make a difference. It all matters. Um, But Gloria collects that, and she takes it over and gets it deposited to their their account there, and it does an amazing amount of work. So if you have pocket change and you think about it, just drop it in that little bucket. Uh, the other ways, of course, we always have these bins at the south door and the north door where you can leave uh, certain needs. So they always have needs of canned goods like peanut butter and high protein foods, bottled water, bottle, box cereals. Um, by the way, if you've signed up for this ministry, you will get these notices on the Facebook group uh, to tell you about what they need. Uh, their current largest need right now 
is toilet paper. Uh, so if you can, uh, next time you go to the store, maybe get an extra package of toilet paper and just bring it. That would be wonderful. Um, but over over this year, they've collected a lot of donations. Uh, Larry Potter takes his four-wheel drive sleigh over there and uh, brings them a load uh, every few weeks. And so they've been very grateful for those of you who have donated, and they continue to have need, and there's always uh, ways to contribute. So if you'd like to be involved with Simple House, there's certainly some personal ways that you can uh, begin to get involved in person if you'd like to. They are open uh, on Mondays, and they need some volunteers for that, especially during the summer when their traffic is the highest. Um, Gloria tells me they have dates open on July 24th, uh, August 7th, August 21st, and August 28th. And if you go there, you'll sort food and hang clothes and help help clients who come in and uh, just be a help to them. If you're a, a young mom and you have kiddos at home and, and you're not going to have much hair left at the end of the summer and your kids need something to do and they're kind of bored, this is a wonderful service opportunity where they can learn serving others hands-on. And so you might consider talking to Gloria, signing up to volunteer on Monday. So it's a great project and a good thing to be involved in. They've done different service days throughout the year. I think this is one where they did free haircuts and and gave out some blessing bags as well. So if that's kind of where God's called your heart, I hope that you'll consider signing up for Simple House. Uh, the second group is the Soup Kitchen. It's run by the College Crest Church of Christ, a ministry that they've had for many years. Uh, it's located over off the Hillside Street, just right actually in the basement of their church building. And there's an entrance that goes into the basement there. And they are open every Monday, rain or shine, from 1130 to 1. And their mission is very simply to feed hungry people. So uh, the people that come in are often poor, low income, uh, especially during the summer. uh, Lots of kids being fed that way. And so they have a need of lots of different people to help and of funds for different things as well. Uh, The coordinators for this, uh, for the soup kitchen ministry are Elroy and Marie Christie. And I'll ask them to stand for just a moment so they know who you are. Uh, Elroy and Marie kind of manage this through email and also a Facebook group. So if you're an emailer or Facebook group and you've signed up, you should get notices. But if you're not and you would like to become more involved, you can talk to Elroy or Marie. Thank you, guys. And they'll be glad to tell you how you can involve with your time or your your treasure. Uh, There are different ways you can serve. Now, I will tell you up front that the soup kitchen is not a ministry that needs you know, 30 people every week, but it, it needs three, four, five people faithfully every week uh, to do all these different jobs. Um, serving, there's always cleaning to do, organizing, um, helping prepare, helping clean up, uh, even some groundskeeping there around the building, uh, around the in the yard there and uh, washing dishes and clearing out things. So there's lots of, of people jobs to, to be done. Uh, if you'd like to be involved, uh, Elroy has set up a Google Doc. If you know what a Google Doc is, you'll know how to use that through their Facebook group. You just click on it, and you can just see all the dates. It's an electronic sign-up sheet, basically. And you can get involved with that uh, just by volunteering a few hours, and it would be a great help to them. Um, but, they, they, again, the main key is not a huge amount of people, but faithfulness from the people who do sign up. So sign up for that today, or if you're not a Google Docker, just talk to Elroy Marie directly. Um, the biggest probably need right now is a financial one. They are We've replaced a stove for them, helped re- uh, replace a worn-out old stove, and uh, they also have a refrigerator that's uh, not doing very well either. So we're trying to raise funds. They're a little bit short of that. 
of their goal. And so what we're going to do right now is I sent out an email and a Facebook post, and we're going to ask any kids 18 and under to uh, bring their change. Someone gave me a, a medicine bottle this morning with quarters in it, and you can bring uh, paper money as well. Uh, Brent's going to lead us in a song, and uh, if you kids would bring all your change. Now, if you're an adult and you think I'm being exclusive, you're right. Uh, but if you have change to give, if you just hold it up, We'll have some kids that all send back up the rows to uh, to bring that. So while we sing this song, we'll go ahead and bring the change. And this will hopefully help raise some money for that refrigerator. So, uh, Brent, if you'll please lead us. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest, Lord, we lift up your name with hearts full, hearts full of praise, so be exalted, O Lord my God, Hosanna in the highest, glory, glory. Glory to the King of Kings, glory, glory, glory to the King of Kings, Lord, we lift up your name with hearts full, hearts full of praise, so be exalted, O Lord my God. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Lord, we lift up your name with hearts full. Hearts full of praise, so be exalted, O Lord my God. Hosanna in the highest. Glory, glory, glory to the King of kings. Glory, glory, glory to the King of kings. Lord, we lift up your name with hearts full, hearts full of praise, so be exalted, O Lord my God, Hosanna in the highest. All right, wonderful. This uh, this will buy at least a few Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches. <laughs> Here you go, little guy. <laughs> That's appropriate to do. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Casey. There's another one. Okay, sorry. Well, I'll get that from you later, Luke. Okay, thank you. (laughs) 
All right. Thank you. That will be a huge blessing to the soup kitchen. And I know they deeply appreciate it. We'll let you know how much we collected next week. But uh, that is awesome. And thank you for your participation in that uh, and uh, for all the ways in which you let your light shine through just a little thing like pocket change can be a big deal. As we talk about the understanding of light, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter 1 is uh, certainly one of the best known scriptures familiar to uh, many Christians and even non-believers. Because the the words of Genesis have caused a lot of controversy. But these first few verses tell us one simple truth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now I know you're ready for me to get to the next verse, but can we just pause for a minute in verse 3? That there's emptiness and void and darkness. There's no life. There's nothing that we see around us every day. It's all empty and void. And the scripture tells us that even in the emptiness, even in the darkness, even in the void, there God is. Now, that may not mean much to you until you've been in the emptiness. Until you've walked in the darkness. Until you go to the doctor. And you sit down. And they they lay it on you. That they found something. And it's going to mean a long journey. It's going to mean a lot of treatment. Uh, And even then, going through all that, there's still a chance that you won't make it. Maybe you go to your job and you go in to see your boss and you think everything's just as it always has been. And they look at you and they say, I'm sorry, we're going to have to let you go. Maybe you've been there relationally. You had a good friend that for one reason or another turned and burned on you. Maybe something in your family Maybe you've been the the victim of abuse, physical, sexual, verbal. On the roller coaster of life, sometimes you enter the tunnel and it, it seems like you're in there for such a very long time. And if you're honest, sometimes you you ask God, where are you? God, what are you doing here? If we can just go back to Genesis. I know we're talking about the physical creation, but there's a spiritual truth here too. That sometimes when you go through the emptiness and the void and the darkness, you need to remember 
that God is still there. That the Spirit of God still hovers. That He hasn't left you or forgotten you or forsaken you at all. He's just waiting. Waiting for verse 4. And God said, Let there be light. And the moment he spoke that light, what happened is life began to spring forth. The the, the light, the physical light that brings life, the same is true of his light. You see, this entire book, for most of it, all the way up until the first few verses of Matthew, are the first three verses of Genesis. It's dark times, empty times, times of void, times of trying to fill the void, up until you get to Matthew chapter 1. When God, not through the scripture, but he says in the very same way, let there be light. His light brings life to the dead. His light is the first thing that we need for life to exist. And his light is the first thing we need. To have hope. Turn to John chapter 1. Because John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, had this figured out. And when he wrote his gospel, he called us all the way back to Genesis. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. You see, what you desperately need to understand is he is the light He was the light then, he's the light now, he has always been the light. And as you sit in the void and the darkness and the waiting and the wondering, you need to understand that the light is not gone. The light is still there. And your trust, your hope, your eternity depend upon the light. He's the light. You're not the light. Your preacher's not the light. Your elders aren't the light. He is the light. And may we understand that. That gives us not just life, but it gives us hope when we're in times of despair. The scripture that was read for you this morning. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And those words have always been true, but those words don't resonate until you've been in the valley, until you've struggled, until you're wrestling with temptation or even sin. And you understand that you are in darkness and you need his light. I think by now, hopefully by July, you know the theme verse for... This year, John chapter 8, verse 12. But can I give you a little context to that? 
Turn just, I know you're in John 1, turn to John chapter 7. I'm sorry, John chapter 8. The scripture reads of a woman who was in the dark. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives at dawn. He appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and sat down and he sat down to teach them. Now, was he going to teach them? Oh, yes. Was he going to give them a lesson they would never forget? Absolutely. But at the center of that lesson would be a woman whose life would hang in the balance. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said, If any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard him began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and said, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus said. Go now and leave your life of sin. Here's a woman. How they entrapped her, I don't know. But imagining the picture in your mind, she stands there, probably wrapped in something because she may not have anything or very little on. She's, she has been caught in one of the, the most grievous, vile sins. And yet the one that she was committing the sin with, he's nowhere to be found. And there she stands, and she's guilty. There is no defending this. She stands there, embarrassed. Can you imagine how the other women are looking at her? The whispers, the glances, the judgmental shaking of the head. Can you imagine how she must feel just overwhelmed as to what she's done to herself, to her family? As she stands there, guilty and embarrassed and mortified. I often, I I know, I've done other lessons on this and studied the practice of stoning. It It was a terribly cruel way to die. But in her case, maybe she saw it as... Sweet release from where she stood then. But in that circle of men stands a man unlike any she had ever met. A man that could have thrown a stone, had every right to, to exact perfect justice on this woman. And instead, he 
shows her mercy. You know, the truth is that most people who are walking in darkness don't do so because they're unaware. They know exactly what they're doing is wrong. And they've realized the consequences. They've done the math. They've, they've weighed the scale and they've decided it's worth the risk. And for her, she, she made that same decision. But she knew the instant that she was caught. It was over. And so some people... They're so desperate to, to point out everyone else's flaws, to, to, to show this woman that she truly is in the darkness. I mean, you can sense these, the younger Pharisees as they have their hands gripped around a rock, just white-knuckled, ready to throw it, ready to bring that sweet, sweet stone of justice. But when Jesus asks the question, he makes a statement, if you're guilty, if you're without sin, If you're walking in the light, then go ahead and throw that stone. And here the oldest ones, they realize that Jesus is called the master teacher for a reason. And one by one, the older ones drop their stones and then the younger ones. Until it's just a woman and a rabbi. Oh, she's still just as guilty. She's still just as embarrassed. In fact, in the whole story, we only get three words from her. But Jesus, Jesus gave her five beautiful, powerful words. He said, then neither do I condemn you. And then he followed that by saying, Go now and leave your life of sin. In that moment, he gave a woman who had given up, who was in despair, who had been caught in her sin, who was absolutely worthy of the stones that they were going to throw. He gave her hope. That's beautiful that what the light does gives hope. I was thinking about this lesson. Of course, you know I have younger children. And they both have little night lights on. My daughter has one in her room that you can't close the door without making sure the light's on. My son's a little older. Doesn't need the, the light in the room. But if you just leave the, the light on in the hallway. I'm 39 years old. I go into my room, lay down for bed, and I don't have any nightlights in there. But I like the door open just a crack. Just a little bit of residual light flooding in. There's a need within all of us. There's, a, there's something within our nature that craves the light. Whether, we've, whether we're dead in our sin or whether we're despair of walking in darkness, we need the light. We need the life that it gives. We need the hope that it brings. And that is Jesus. And finally, the light saves us from the darkness. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. The scripture reads, Do 
For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Much like the woman, whether your sin is as grievous or as public as hers, I do not know. But I do know that you need her hope. You need the same light that she was given on that day. You need the light of life. And that is when we understand in the kingdom that all of us in here have been rescued from the kingdom of darkness. Whether it was last week, a month ago, or ten years ago, or forty years ago, we have been rescued from the dominion of darkness. And though we are in a world that gets very dark sometimes, and though sometimes it's easy to let the enemy's lies take over, may we not forget that we have been rescued from that. That we have been rescued from the clutches and the dominion of the enemy. And that we've been brought into the kingdom of the sun. The kingdom of light. I don't know what darkness you were rescued from. But I know who rescued you. It wasn't you. It wasn't the person who brought you to Christ. It wasn't the preacher. It was Jesus, the light of the world. He is the light of life. And he has rescued us. May we, as a church... View ourselves as a people who are rescued from darkness. As a people who are, who are on a mission of walking in the light and letting the light shine and spread. Not because of us, but because we allow ourselves to become conduits and vessels for the light. In Ephesians 5.8, Paul said, For at one time you were darkness, but now... You are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. May may we not just pause and let his light give us light and let his light give us hope. But may we understand we've been rescued from the darkness. And may that put us on mission to be missionaries of light. Apostle Paul would later say that you are ambassadors of light. For Christ. So may we see ourselves in the same way. This morning I want to invite you and call you. If you're dead in your sin. I mean you're as guilty as the woman standing there. You've tried everything. You've tried to get past it. You've tried to move past it on your own. You've tried to do enough good works. You've tried to do all the things you think will help to undo the thing you've done. But nothing helps. I want to call you to the light. If you're in despair, if you've been in the darkness so long that you see light as nothing more than an oncoming train. If you are just ready for it to be over. If you are in the tunnel and you've been there for such a very long time and you just need some hope. I want to call you this morning to the light. And if you are deluged in the darkness of the evil one. If you are flooded with it. If you are living in it and walking in it. I want to call you to repent. If you think that that God doesn't care anymore, that you're too bad for God, that God doesn't love you, that God's given up on you, that God's forgotten about you, I want you to know that there is one proof that he 
absolutely does love you and care about you. There's four simple words. Let there be light. That was his will, not just the physical light, but his son coming into the darkness and bringing us light and hope that we might not despair. Second Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God himself were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. If you are none of those things, if you're not in despair, if you're not walking in sin, if, you're, if your things are going actually okay for you, I just want to call you to remember that there are people every day who are walking and struggling in the darkness. May we then be ambassadors of his light. May we. Sorry, you'll have to advance it. May we not forget. Nope. One more slide. There you go. Now you can fill it in. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it, instead they put it on a stand that it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and give praise to your Father who is in heaven. If you're in the light, may you not forget to share that light with others. Instead of cursing the darkness and cursing those in the darkness, may you remember that you were once rescued from the darkness. We all need his light. And this morning I want to call you to come to it. If you're needing that, if you're in sin or if you're in despair, let your brothers and sisters help you and encourage you and pray for you. Let our shepherds wrap their arms of love around you and encourage you because no one, it's God's will that no one remain in the darkness. If you have a need this morning, I pray that you'll come to the light as together we stand and sing.